She said, uh, so her saying, you know, she can, but the person said, you know, Christina has, is going to die and then there's going to be Christopher, you know? And then I also have to be understanding that, okay, the people that had a daughter, they're now going to have a son. Someone who had a niece is now going to have a nephew. Because what I used to look like, regardless if I'm still that same soul, I don't look like the same person. And they're trying to figure out what that looks like. My father has never, you know, biologically had sons. Yeah, he mm. may have had nephews and all those other things, but he doesn't know what it's like to be a father of a son. Mm. Mm. And then even in me transitioning from a man, you know, from a female to a man, like, it has caused my father to also deal with his childhood traumas and stuff that he had to deal with his father. Mm. And so it's like, I, 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 I've come to a point, I can't, that's why I tell people, I can't you know, speak to Caitlyn Jenner's story and all these other things. And at times it frustrates me because you have these individuals that the media are clinging on to and using that as being everybody's lived experience and it's not. I didn't transition yeah. to be yeah. some type of ally. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be comfortable in my own skin. Yeah, press record. Okay. <clears throat> Hello guys and welcome to a new episode of Don't Look The Stands. This is season 8, episode 9 and you are here today with your host Eden McKenzie and... Nicholas Terrell. And Chopin. And guys, finally, after many requests, we are here to review Kendrick Lamar's fifth album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Big Steppers. This has been a conversation we've been waiting a while to have because we wanted to sit on our feelings and really take some time to actually engage with the album, absorb the album and share some thoughts that were actually our own. Um, so if you want to join the conversation, as always, use the hashtag D-A-T-S-P-O-D. We will have some guests joining us towards the end of the episode. Two guests in particular that we've selected to get varied opinions and perceptions on the album. And yeah, that's pretty much it so far. So like I said, this episode will be purely about Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. We won't be doing listeners or introductions or anything along those lines. We'll just go straight into it and just discuss how we feel about it. Um, should we just do a quick how everyone's doing? Let's not maybe not go into depth, but how is everyone doing? Um, I'm good. Like, uh, finally, like... <sighs> taking a bit of a break from writing like finally did the big things and there's stuff mm. to come and stuff and been submitted so I think there's like one more piece to do which is just a biography for a label and then for the rest like hopefully what are we June the rest of June I just kind of want to chill so like yeah. way less intense and obviously it's a um, bank holiday weekend so just enjoying that that's good finally you get a break that what about good. you guys just chop it um, piggybacking off Nick's point, um, I, w I wish I could say the same, but I would say in terms of my writing stuff, the end is nigh. I feel like, oh, I'm actually, it's actually in my midst, the end. Um, um, I, I gave in one earlier this week, um, which I'm very excited about, and then one that I needed time and space away from, I can actually start writing now, this weekend, um, which is, this one is one of my dream um interviews so that but other than that um abolish the office as always mm. um very grateful for this long weekend um uh yeah i've had i've got some great stuff to look forward to i was at the patrice russian concert at the coco, at coco yesterday which was absolutely fantastic amazing i'm going to cross the wait was it coco yes 
Oh, interesting. Interesting. Because yeah. I know recess was there as well. Oh, yeah, the recess was straight afterwards. Oh, okay, nice. So as I was leaving, the recess... You saw the crowd. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, across the tracks on Sunday, I'm going with two of my friends, so that should be fun. Uh, great lineup. Roy Ayers, Patrice again, but Sean Cootie, Joyce Rice, Meriba, Macy Gray, Channel One Sound System, um, Kaya. Yes, it's a great lineup. Oh, Giles Peterson doing a DJ set, Norman J. Amazing. Um, so that's going to be fun. And then, yeah, um, it looks like I actually am seeing Nick on Saturday. And he said it um, verbatim that we will see each other. And it looks like actually it's going to happen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you've got joy ahead of you, basically. Yeah, but I'm um yeah very tired and I'm actually glad that I've been able to just I've been cleaning. That's what I've been doing today, cleaning. That's what I've been doing mm. today. Also, can I just recommend to people like I've said it in the group chat like this is a phenomenon, but I don't know why it's working for me. CPT infused drinks, just please <laughs> I you introduce it. No, I'm not even lying <laughs> to you. Like Soho House basically do this thing called Trip, and I had two of them last Sunday. Just like not intentionally it was just there like and then went to bed straight i was planning to watch netflix you know all of that um and then just woke up at 6 a.m feeling the most relaxed i've ever felt in a while Mm -hmm. um and it's lasted till tuesday then i went to top up and get some more and i still feel it so i recommend it on the limbs the body all of that as well as things like massages and all of that Mm. all right just get your cbd infused drink it doesn't make you high it's for your relaxation of the limbs all right yeah Yeah, on your beyonce Beyonce shit because she endorsed Mm. it in her interview like one of her interviews last year Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even... Well, yeah, she maybe... said she's been using CBD oils for like the last five years or something like that. Do you know what? If it takes to be a great, like, to, not even to be a great, just to rest, the ultimate rest, and she's the busiest woman on earth, like, mm-hmm. I endorse it as well then. Like, if she's saying that. Um, but yeah, honestly, CBD infused drinks. Trip is the brand that I tried. So, wow. yeah. Proper, proper... <laughs> Sorry, Trip. Do you want to sponsor it? Sponsored <laughs> ad. Literally, we can we can take pictures of them, post about them, all of that. We're available. But no, I'm joking. Like literally, honestly, guys, rest is the theme of the season. We spoke about oh, it last honestly. week. Eden spoken about it a whole season. So literally, like, get on that shit. Do whatever you need to do to, yep. re- to rest. I but I did a bike ride today. Literally, just do all that stuff. Like, please rest this yep. weekend and forever more this summer as well. Rest. <laughs> Yeah, right. CBD is great, honestly. Um, honestly, it's a life changer. I used to have these drops that I used to take um, and they just, in terms of my anxiety, just completely erased it for mm. like the next few hours or something like that. But it is really, really good. Um, All right, Eden, how's life? Yeah, sorry. No, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah, it's good. I just come back from Portugal. I heard the episode that you guys recorded and mm. it was, I was surprised to hear that Chope was introducing the episode because when I'm away, it's usually Nick. So I just was... I was intrigued to hear Chope introduce it, and you did a really good job, Chope, just to say. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed your your conversation, guys, and the things you were talking about when it came to like rest and um, recuperation, like burnout. You know, Nick saying that the week was well, kicking him in the ass, but it sounded like he's. <laughs> I laughed because when I was editing, I can't it even like... recognize myself. Last week, I, I literally it's stark difference from last week to yeah. this week couldn't recognize myself last but when week. i listened to the when i was editing i heard you I, this is what i heard you say through my headphones like it was like oh the week is eating me in the ass and i was like nick what <laughs> i was like I'm let's like, not what? do that like literally <laughs> we ate in miami so none of that like, <laughs> this is a drink champ 
literally, this is not, yeah, literally, theme of last week, this isn't drink champs, this isn't the breakfast club, this isn't Charlemagne tossing salad, yeah. don't like the fans podcast, like, different vibes, different times. No, but, um, yeah, I'm all good, I've just come back from Portugal, which is yeah. a great holiday, um, and great weather, great vibes, it was nice to get away and stuff, I Amazing. was answering emails and I had to be told to stop doing it by none other than Alexander, um, who we've spoken about a hundred times already, yeah. um, but it was a good break. It was nice to get away and kind of just recoup for a bit. I would say like emotionally, I've been in a bit of like a turbulent space, I would say. So I took some time away just mm-hmm. to spend some time with myself um, just because creatively I have a bit of a block at the moment. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out how to, you know, spend time with myself, what I need, journaling, kind of meditating, um, spending time with myself and just like really being introspective in terms of what the thing is that's really bothering me mm. so i'm um, just spending time with myself to like really understand that and you know i think i feel like when we are quite turbulent in our moods it's important to communicate that with people around us so they understand you know it's not necessarily them it's us going through our own individual stuff so um yeah yeah for me i've just been kind of figuring out what i need in this moment and it's just really important to know that um but yeah i'm all good i'm all good now um and i'm excited for this episode a bit anxious if I'm keeping it 100, I was anxious. Why? Because it's just quite a packed episode. There's a lot we need to get through in a short period of time. Different guests are appearing at different times. There's a lot to talk about. Some of them are going to be heavy topics. And, you know, it's just like having that awareness and being conscious of what we're talking about, but also making sure that we're talking about how we authentically feel as well. 100%. So there's just so much in that in itself. So I'm just intrigued to see what happens. Yeah. I'm excited to have the conversations. Yeah. And yeah. I also think going into this, I think we should just literally say, just like when I did with my review, like disclaimer, like literally we our thoughts change all the time. And this mm-hmm. has been like three weeks out. The music consumption era is very like potent and mm-hmm. we've had other things to think about. We all work five days a week. Like we have not had time to do academic theses and thoughts um about this so going into it i just wanted to kind of say that like disclaimer our thoughts may change our thoughts may evolve but these are just some early kind of thoughts that we've had dissecting the album through the last couple of weeks um, or days even for some of us but you know it's it's early thoughts yep that's correct but let's get straight into the album it so we're going to talk about mr morale and the big steppers so this is kendrick lamar's fifth album and it's a collaboration between kendrick's label pg lang and tde this will be kendrick's last album with tde before he goes on to his next projects we have no idea what that will look like or what it will involve but mr morale and the big steppers came out may 13th 2022 19 songs long and it's a double album um so let's just get some thoughts let's start there so who wants to go first and talk about their kind of feelings towards the album what are your thoughts and feelings about the album overall and then we can get into individual songs and everything as we go along i'd love um, Chopin to yeah start oh wow okay just because you haven't spoken for a while it's been me needing going back and forth so yeah. come through um okay um well yeah so i listened to the album the day it came out in the with the onslaught and barrage of tweets around me and instagram <laughs> captions and then I kind of, and I will be honest, on my first listen, I was like, mm, don't know about this album, but mm. I knew I'd have to revisit it in my own time. And I've actually been on a social media break the yeah. last two and a half weeks, which I recommend, guys. Really recommend. 
um, social media is not real life. Anyway, so now listening to the album the last, I've only really revisited it in the last like four or five days. And it's just amazing how much of our thoughts are just engineered and influenced because I will say that, is this my favorite Kendrick album? No, but it is definitely not as, I guess, bad as I thought initially it was. But it's very, it's a lot, it's a very dense body of work. It's, mm. I would say it's quite erratic. Like it's very, mm. like, um, but then at the same time, I kind of appreciate the scope and the ambition. And I love how, like really, Kendrick is just really being inward, but inward in a very different way. When we think about being inward, we think about it being like, you know, moody and dark or even minimalist. But like, I really feel like we're getting a wide range of Kendrick's innermost thoughts and feelings. <clears throat> and it's communicated through the wide range of sounds and genres and production. Like, you know, we have some really aggressive songs, some really slower songs, some songs with no drums at all. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the different features, the different colors and stuff like that. And um, yeah, so I will say that I actually like, as more time passes, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I am feeling this album. There are some songs I could do without, but generally, and then also I kind of just love how, like for better or for worse, that Kendrick is kind of shedding the idea of who we think he is. Like, you know, cause, and I, and now that, the, as I listen to it more, the title makes more and more sense, Mr. Morale, because we think about our, you know, our morals and who we think, um, who, what we're supposed to think or what we're supposed to like or our opinions or problematic or not. And Kendrick is kind of just shedding all that really. Like, he's like, this is who I am. This is what I think about all these various things, especially, you know, he's not been out since 2017 and so much has happened, you know, mm. um, the re, uh, reinvigoration of Black Lives Matter, Trump, COVID, uh, Me Too, and so many things have happened. Yeah. Um, in that time and of course his own life he's had kids in the last five years mm. um and yeah so like yeah that's what i really like about that but um but yeah no um this album's a lot better than i thought on on these last few days and um i appreciate and i commend his dedication to just always always going above and beyond it does like cohesion but i kind of feel like that but now as my it works i feel like it kind of works because we as humans are not cohesive people <laughs> and i feel like it kind yep. of works like that because it is literally all over the place but kind of in a good way it kind of reminds me of jesus but i'll leave it there a hundred percent but hopefully Kanye. that's a yeah. good introduction so you yeah know, nick that's 100 cool. yeah. <laughs> like it's just thoughts they can be imperfect or perfect like, yeah it's never going to be perfect thoughts but um so for me, um, shout out to Sophia Tassou. She is the biggest Kendrick Lamar fan. Um, and shout out to her, like her earring brand Cooler. But she invited me to her listening party really last minute. Um, so she did it on the day of release. So um, I got to listen to it on my own and then listen to it in that setting with speakers and stuff with a few of Kendrick, big Kendrick fans from the UK just generally. Um, and I found it really interesting to listen in that environment and just to kind of see the idea shape and manifest and stuff like that. And then to kind of listen to it on my own as well. Um, I think that this, as kind of Chopin just said, it is his most imperfect album um, in terms of just how he approaches it. It's not um, packaged very formally. It's not packaged in terms of 
start to finish like coherent thoughts storytelling all of that which Kendrick is actually known for you know the storytelling the emotion the flow all of that um lyrically I do think the five years absence shows I'm not gonna lie some of how he, he kind of reflects his thoughts um were clumsy were messy was it intentional I think in some places yes in some places I do think there's just a lack of lyrical kind of cohesion um in some of how he articulates his thoughts which we can get into a bit later but um on first listen like Shopee, it was a bit of a an interesting kind of listen as well um the combination of thoughts about you know covid and dr sebi you know which nipsey you know spoke heavily <laughs> about to thoughts about his infidelities actually and like the race and all of that and like all of that you know brought in in in, in europe and and beyond and stuff like that to taylor page making the cut and she i love her voice i love how she um acted on the song and i love how kendrick acted on the song as well um i think it was um a highlight of the album for me not just for vitriol or like kind of like um sensationalism but just because of i just really loved the two voices working together and kind of the anger and how it kind of reminds me like you know how rico nasty convey um communicates rage a lot and i just mm. really liked how mm. though mm. the just it just was like one of those I'm just going to fucking shout on a record. Like, this is not a perfect album. I am going to shout. It is going to be problematic. It is for dramatic effect. But at the same time, it even reminded me of Big Pun and his skits. Like, I really loved Big Pun's um, The Punisher um, album and how the skits were used. They were more, like, sexual and stuff. But, like, I just loved how off the table it was, off the wall, kind of, like... It, that reminded me of all of that. So it was really great in that sense. Um, I think there's this thing that kind of I've mentioned with J. Cole as well as where these rappers are kind of presenting themselves to me and I'm not in the space that they are in mentally and that's absolutely fine it's not about like standard and cult of personality and having to be exactly where your favorite artists are or all that kind of stuff it's just acknowledging it and ruminating the thoughts because I think a younger more innocent me uh, for your eyes only kind of um forest hills drive kind of moment i would have been like oh my god this rapper means everything they reflect my exact thoughts and da da da, da. but then you grow up and then you realize actually we're all we're all imperfect and we're all in different stages at completely different times and our thought patterns change every day every hour every minute we're influenced by so many different things so for kendrick to take that five-year break come back um, as Shoppe said, we've dealt with the reinvigoration of Black Lives Matter, COVID, all of those social issues and, and just political and internal issues as well. We've changed as individuals. I think it just allowed me to see Kendrick for his, his as full as as full of a person we've seen him to date, in my opinion, and kind of just be like, right, okay, these are the bits where we agree and that's fine. And these are the bits where... <laughs> you know there's some work to be done but it's absolutely fine but again the whole point of this project is morals imperfections interception all of that um i do think the i wrote this in my review as well the conflations with like cancel culture and what that means and political correctness i think there's a bit of mis disinformation going on there with some of the rappers and how they examine that but um i think again imperfections i'm not perfect on every issue or everything there's there's things that i'm working on and i bring to the show sometimes that i'm working through stuff so i think it's better as i've gone along but still i think it's better production wise and kind of how it's the cinematography comes through sonically but i think some of the ideas they're probably my biggest kind of 
and how and the rapability of some of the maybe low lights for now. So those are my those are my thoughts. Okay, thank you for that. Um, I can't lie, this album is probably going to be one of my favorite albums for the longest time. Um, and I say for that the year because or for or like for life. I think for life, if I'm wow. being honest. Um, I think there were loads of themes throughout the album that really sat with me, but also I just loved the way it grew on me. And what I mean by that is to set the scene of how I first started listening to this, I was skipping. So I woke up in the morning, um, I was in my writing group, finished work writing group, and then I went to go skip in the morning and I just put in the headphones and I was just skipping and listening to what Kendrick was saying at the same time. And then I got to Worldwide Steppers. And I just started cracking up because there was just so much hotepery throughout <laughs> the song. Just <laughs> so much hotepery. This is the song. This and I was just like... I, I do love that song though, but... I love the beat and I, I love... Production-wise, it's great. Yeah, production-wise, yeah. it's great. And it, it, it kind of... Um, I get the message and I, I love it as well. <laughs> but there is so much oh, hotepery. Nipsey definitely had some influence <laughs> on that one. But, yeah 100 percent. like the dr sebi line killed me killed the white me. woman's the, when he said the thing about the white women that killed me as well <laughs> i was just like why are we here it's <laughs> like kendrick what are we doing <laughs> i just know dr uma passed out dr yeah. uma was in his bag okay he was, he was wheeling like, it man i'm about to do a whole speech on this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um overall the project for me is i i can't see an album surpassing this for me this year and I'm going to be wow. completely honest when I say that wow. I can't see an album surpassing this because for me, I said this to Alex and I always reference Aaron, Alex in our podcast for some reason, but I said this to Alex, I'm seeing something in like the creative fields at the moment where a lot more men are talking about therapy, vulnerability, um, their truths yeah. and the battles that we face as men. Someone and, wrote you know, about this for OK Player. They wrote about that specific topic. Um, oh, okay. I'll suggest it. I'll put it in the copy with Shopee. I'll, talk to, I'll throw it to Shopee. Yeah, most definitely. Oh, I think, was it your favourite rappers talking about therapy? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I or think I saw that. Yeah. Or OK Player, one of those, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So just to let people know, I haven't engaged with any content to do with Kendrick's album. Like mm. I've seen a few things post around, but if I see it, I click away from it or I don't engage with it, including tweets and Instagram things like Chope said in his kind of review. Yeah. For me, I really just wanted to sit with this album and just enjoy it for what it was. Mm. And for me, it was a true transformation of what it means to be a man in today's society. Um, because there were so many, well, let me say a, a heterosexual man because you know Kendrick's story is kind of, um, he talks about a lot of things that I would say heterosexual men go through with yeah. regards to our understanding of ourselves our relationship to other people and you know the the damages that we cause through ignorance and that you know the many stages we have to go through to actually learn about you know our position in society and so when i was sitting here listening to this album i definitely saw myself in it and i could see a lot of people that i engage with daily in our own individual journeys um and then when i heard eckhart toll i was like where am i if i heard sad guru i was gonna throw my headphones I was going to throw my phone across the room because if I heard Sadguru, <laughs> if I heard like Brene Brown, I was like, where are we going with this album? Mm. And for me, um, I, I just feel like it really s sat with me. It, um, it's something that I've been playing pretty much every single day. I've got songs in particular that I stick to. Mm. Um, but I just loved it. I can't lie. It's my favorite Kendrick album. And I know that's a wow. big thing to say. Yeah, it's my wow. favorite Kendrick album now. It's my favorite. And I love Section A. 
And I, I, I watched the uh, medley he performed recently. I can't remember at what festival it was mm. where he performed all of his albums individually. And there are so many bangers. Like, I love fucking ethnicity. Um, I love ADHD. I love, um, you know, Good Kid, Mad City, Mad City songs as well. Um, Damn, I love Damn. Um, mm. You know, I, I haven't really listened to Untitled. I'll be honest with that. I haven't really engaged with that album. So maybe, you know, because loads of people love that album. But They do, like really big fans. Like, yeah. Like that album. But I can't lie, this album had the biggest effect on me. And I almost cried. I'm keep it 100. I almost cried when I listened to this album. Yeah. Because I don't think I've ever experienced an album that I feel explains the journey that I feel like I've been on. Um, you know, going through the first half of the album where Kendrick is kind of in a place of, you know, I hate everything and like, I'm, I have to unlearn a lot of things about the things that I want in life or these material possessions yeah. and then get to the second half where he gets to this point where he's looking at things and realizing actually I'm okay and I can like shed all of this trauma and things that I've gone through in my life and get to a point where I'm able to look at myself and say you know what I'm going to move away from perceptions and projections and you know what other people think I should be doing and just do what's right for me and that really connected with me so the overall album for me is it's incredible and i can't i I can't fault it if i'm being well i can there are some things i can fault but then even when i think about the things i want to fault i question myself and say okay but the overall message of the album is about redemption and i kind of sit here and i'm like what does that look like in today's society and there are quite a few things that you know we're probably going to talk about in this episode about um things that were said conversations um that maybe um nick has seen online or you know, maybe um, our guest will come on and talk about a few things, but yeah. this album blew my mind. I'm keeping it 100. Blew my so mind. I, have a, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, I actually want to um, read this quote because there was an, mm, I wouldn't say an, a, a great essay in Complex, but it definitely was quite thought provoking and it had some interesting. Was this um, Andre G? No, 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 no. Okay. By the way, we love him. Incredible. Oh, writer, yeah, Andre G is amazing. A like, beast of a writer. <laughs> amazing, but no, amazing. This was Kevin Powell. So oh, he, okay. Yeah, yeah. He wrote cool. an article for Complex um, and he called it The Emancipation of Kendrick Lamar. And I read that. So back to Taylor's point, I had not read any reviews or features about it until today because just like how I wanted to listen to it without social media, I just wanted to take in the album to think for myself, what do I think about the album? And yeah. then go read other writers and things like that. Um, but yeah, there's a quote here that I wanted to read and it, and it leads into what I want to ask Eden. So it says... To say Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers is dense would be wrong. It is a purging, a baptism. It is the self-surgery of a black man trying not to fall into that gutter permanently like Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, but also a black man who does not want to be Richard Wright's bigger Thomas from Native Son either. So that was really interesting to me because as I said before, I feel like this album just really is just shedding and decimating the idea of what Kendrick Lamar is. And you know, as he said in one of the songs, he is not our savior, which I kind mm-hmm. of, I appreciate that. Cause I do think people put him on a pedestal and many mm-hmm. other rappers, especially someone like him because he makes Yeah, he's conscious... the face of rap. Yeah, mm-hmm. but also because he makes a lot of conscious music, quote unquote, speaking about, you know, blackness and race and class and all those things, which I appreciate him for, but at the end of the day, he's still a human. Okay, still and as various on this song, various songs I'm on this album show, he is not without his own shortcomings. Excellent. And, they, and mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that, yeah, there are some, I guess, opinions or ways of thinking that aren't the best like you know basically him throwing kodak black in our face throughout this entire album but anyway 
my question to Eden is, <clears throat> so uh, is your favorite album because, not necessarily because of how it sounds and like, you know, how great it is as a body of music, but in terms of what it did for you as a person? It's my favorite Kendrick album because I feel like it communicates um, where I see the next stage of where I see the next stage of vulnerability going for men. So I I see the next stage in vulnerability being an acknowledgement of who we once were, where we are going, and um, conversations that we've had. Because I th- I feel like although the Kendrick does oh, sorry although the album does reflect Kendrick as a person. There are loads of kind of themes throughout the album that we can all relate to. And so when I enjoyed the music, I think the music is great. And I, I didn't expect to hear what I heard from the album. I haven't heard Kendrick rap on beats like this. Like, for example, on like the switch ups on N95, there were way more switch ups than I expected. Um, and, you know, we got longer choruses than we usually get on Kendrick songs. And for me, it just felt like a way more cohesive album. Um, But I think it depends on what you're expecting, because if you're listening to Good Kid, Mad City, for example, you're going to get a concept album and you're going to get an album that tells a story about a situation. Whereas I feel like this album encompasses that story from Good Kid, Mad City, but also tells the overall story and how Kendrick came to who he is now. So I feel like it's the ending of that whole chapter. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess it is the music for me, but it's also what I feel the album is doing mm. for conversation in general, mm. because the next part of the conversation for me to do with society is about redemption. It's about what it looks like when we make mistakes and how we come back to society, how we have conversations about, you know, mm. tough topics rather than, you know, um, piling onto each other and figuring out ways that we can actually heal. And that's what this album really signifies for me. It's it's mm. much more than just um, Kendrick talking about his life. He, whilst he's saying he's not our savior, he's saying you need to save yourself. And I think that's a very important message for a lot of men in particular to hear, but also to recognize our job as men are not to be saviors. Our job is just to be ourselves and live our lives. And I think that that message just really stuck to me in particular. And that's why... I don't think I can say there's been an album that's affected me like this before as a man. Mm. I don't think I can. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. just think off the top of my head. I don't think there is one. Wow. Well, that's well, that's beautiful, and that, you know, that's you know, that is the power of music. And before we were recording, I was saying that Clean Soul's mother is that for me. Has that has been that for me? What did you oh, say? Really? Before we started recording, no, no, was... no, the last part, the song or the album. No, Clear Soul's mother. That's been oh, Clear Soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. been an yeah. album that. Yeah. Um, to quote something that I've written recently, it's allowed me to open up my heart. Always contributed mm-hmm. to the ongoing opening mm. of my heart. So yeah. I think that's great. But while you know we only have seven minutes left before the other two join us, I guess mm-hmm. I want to ask Nick and then either then I can go. So what are your favorite songs on the albums? So Nick, um, yeah, um, I think basically for different reasons that I like some of the songs. So I think in terms of, I like how um, Kendrick sounds on Father Time and I love how Sampha is almost like a prodigal figure um, with the voice and the character played and like how he uses his voice and the messages throughout. I think it's 
just a great synergy between them and I think their voices really work well together as well um and just a side note at large I like how Kendrick uses his kind of singing if you can call it that voice across the album I think it's the mm-hmm. most he's sung on an album that I've that I've heard um to date I think he's yeah predominantly singing quite a bit on every if not every song a majority of the songs but yeah um Sanford's just great it's great to see Sanford back in flow um and I think yeah just father time the messages and, and the synergies and the kind of why kendrick is the way he is and and how that kind of influence comes in and infiltrates is just great on father time i think it's one of the highlights there as well um obviously i've mentioned the taylor page i just love the rage aspect and the, i love that song yeah. too you know i think it's just really some some, <laughs> some of the kind of um themes discussed i just think is it's just it's kind of funny and kind of the you know big pun thing and kind of how just skit culture and like really having fun i can see kendrick writing a lot in the background for theatrical kind of productions in the future if if Mm -hmm. that's something he wants to do um taylor page is great i really want to see her own more stuff she she was great well the movie about the twitter thread wasn't great but she was great in it if that makes sense the actual the script and everything wasn't great but um she was great in it and she was a really standout character i can see a long-term kind of trajectory for her going forward after this as well um i actually really liked summer walker on purple hearts actually i think do you know what the kendrick embracing the newer generation and and newer stylistic approaches really have to shout out baby keem for that um baby keem and him are working together giving each other things respectively i think he's giving baby keem um more approaches to storytelling whereas baby keem's giving him fun like it's almost like how and i hate i always bring jake holds this how jake holds his feature in his feature game career like just jumping around onto everyone kendrick's more like i'm just gonna have fun with my voice and like really pitch tonality all of that i'm gonna have even more fun um like he's just he's just having fun he's having fun and i like it and i think baby keem brings out a youthfulness in him and i think they really look after each other as fam not only like musical partners but family members so it's going to be really great to see him on pg lang with kendrick and what they do together so um yeah i loved savior with baby keem um and sam do um I also liked Count Me Out. I think it's his most, one of the most commercials. It's giving damn, it's giving like all of that kind of stuff, like in terms of his, if if a song is to break through and have like success over the summer, it is, it is Count Me Out in my opinion. Um, and just to play in the club, like it, there's always that joke of, Kendrick in the club, will it really conscious <laughs> rap in the club? Like it, the potato heads, I know you've seen it. Like, yep. will it will it work? Will it not? But count me out. We can we can have a little barbecue kickback situation there too with that song. Um, Blast, love Blast, love his career, what he's doing. Um, I think Die Hard, he did great, and so did Am- Amanda Reefer on the song as well. I think. Shout Barbados. Yeah, I just love the voices, man. I love Kendrick's experimentation. I think it, that is one of the elements of the album in terms of the background and background vocals and all of that. That I think he's taken from the damn era specifically and from the Good Kid Mad City era, the commerciality of himself and done it in a way that fits him and fits his kind of um, stylistic approach as well. Um i'm just trying to think if there's anything else do you know what weirdly enough i will say this it is it is super problematic and um i think kendrick has a due diligence to kind of um there is an interrogation of why kodak buck was on the album and we we all know the redemption arc and all of that but i just there 
there is kind of things we're going to discuss later but i think kodak black i think do you know what i will say artistically he that i get why there's an appeal to him and i think there was a song with dreezy called spa and he was on that and i really loved him on that this was before i found out about all the charges and stuff and then hearing his do you know what it just was like from the first moment he was on there i was like oh this is what we're doing kodak okay cool and then literally he's been he's been throughout so but i will say this i i get the appeal in terms of the cinematography i just think on a moral standpoint i would love to know what kendrick feels about that and like i would love like an angie martinez i feel like he's kind of shown us that on this album no that's what i'm saying yeah i think musically i get it it's the mistakes it's the humanity it's the forgiveness all of that but i just want to specifically hear the story of that the kodak black Mm -hmm. was it like was it conversation was it he cherry picked him was it like how did that whole come that that thing come together um but yeah, I will say artistically, I get why, like, Kodak Black is used for songs in, like, a feature and stuff. He, there, there's talent. There is talent there. Um, but... Nick, not to interrupt you, just we've got <laughs> literally minute. a minute. Yeah. So if Shoppe can just... We'll get back to that conversation. We'll get back I do to think that question that's very later. important to have. But Shoppe, do you want to give your favourite listen, your favourite no, songs? Then I'll I was give actually going to say, I'll even we'll do that at the end because... The guest is coming on like at any moment now. So Eden and I will share our favorite songs at the end. So let's hope okay. we remember that. But I, I do want to give I do want to give Summer Walker her flowers, even though I'm, sorry, Winter Runner her flowers for Purple Hearts. Wait, say that again. Winter Runner, I want to give Winter Runner her flowers for Purple Hearts. Say it one more time. Why do we do this to her? Like honestly, she's. I like, honestly the listen. Us, us. Like, Wait, us. Like why? Do, well, I don't. But like, like I think she's got a place like i could see i, could, I see I what still, she's doing no, no, no. and like, and no i so like i said i still i will f- still forever stand she's one of the most overrated artists r&b <laughs> artists out right now but i will not deny that both her albums have great songs i will never deny that thank I'm you not, i'm not an idiot that's all we need to that. say like she has a place in r&b and we know what she's doing to r like yeah no no, way, but, no but i feel know? like even in the midst of all my jokes i feel like both of you know that i've never i've given i've said that before that she does have songs that i like yeah, we love Subble Walk. Well, I love Subble Walk. I, I get her. I get what she's doing in the movement. But, um, but anyway, we have our first guest. So, <laughs> Eden. <laughs> cool. And we are back. So, we have our guest now. So, Christopher Scott, lovely to meet you. Thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for, you know, the opportunity to speak about the Kendrick album and a few themes and topics that came up as a result of that. So, to introduce who Christopher is. We're going to call you Chris on this show, just to say. Um, So Chris, you currently run Atelier 41 and you strive to preserve black culture through storytelling. We had a quick conversation about why you started that production company in particular um, and what the goals were behind that. Did you kind of want to speak about what Atelier 41 is and kind of what your intention is behind it as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like the biggest thing for me, like growing up, representation is the most, most important thing. Um, you know, we've, we've had the ability to like, you know, we've gone through black exploitation, we have the Harlem Renaissance, um, we've seen ourselves in so many different facets, but the individuals that are telling these stories don't often look like us. And I think it's extremely important that it's us that are telling the story about our culture. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that I strive to do, like whether it's through film, whether it's through photography, whether it's through audio. 
Um, there's so many different facets, you know, immersive experiences, but it needs to be us, you know, speaking on and telling these stories about our culture. So that's uh, what Atelier 401 Studios does. Okay, cool. And thank you for that. I didn't ask how you're doing, by the way. I literally just went into straight what you do. So how are you doing? <laughs> sensational. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're sensational. Good. Cool. So we're going to talk all things Kendrick Lamar um, and kind of just get your thoughts on it overall. But I just kind of wanted to get your kind of feeling towards just Kendrick Lamar as an artist in general like what's your experience been with Kendrick as an artist ah well I'll be 33 years old this year so I kind of can say that I've you know grown up with Kendrick um definitely you know on on the blog spots some people don't even know what a blog spot is so you know that was before you know complex took over and bought up every blog spot and then it became everything complex media so I've listened to Kendrick since you know overly dedicated um, you know, when, when TDE TD first came around, you still had J-Rock, you know, from overly dedicated to, you know, the ADHD when you go to Section 80. So it's, it's been very interesting to kind of grow up not only um, with the artist, but also it's, it's great to see that you were both uh, maturing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, as uh, especially, you know, those from, you know, say black from the African diaspora, however you want to say it. We tend to find, you know, um, almost like representation in these people and become more so akin to them. Um, and they feel more like a brother or a cousin. Like, you know, when Uncle Phil died, you know, we all heard. Because, you know, that was like Uncle Phil, like, you know, when, when, when Cosby was Cosby, was like, what? Not Bill. You know, that's why it's hurt so bad, because we, we kind of, they kind of become like this, 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 this family um, to us. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so parasocial relationships is kind yes. of... Um, what you're referring to we've spoken about that a lot because on this podcast you know don't let the stands for the first few seasons the key focus of our podcast was kind of talking about stand culture and we still do but I I feel like we're kind of evolving um, and having more conversations outside of stand culture but also we are aware of that parasocial kind of element of music culture and like you said the Kendrick album definitely touches on that with like songs like Savior for example and um, Kendrick just really talking about how he's human at the end of the day, essentially. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about is um, I want to talk about how we came together for this podcast, because I feel like it was an opportunity to really highlight um, like quite a few issues in the black community. So um, what happened was originally for Dats, we wanted to have a conversation about the Kendrick album. And so I wrote a tweet and I can't lie, it took loads of edits to write that tweet. So I was trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to say. And I posted out a tweet saying, hey, we want to talk about the Kendrick album. Um, specifically, we wanted to talk about Auntie's Diaries and um, the reaction that that song in particular was getting from the trans community. And do you remember your response to the tweet on why? Do you want to talk about that quickly? Because yeah, I find yeah. it quite educational. <laughs> so... Um... Yeah, so I saw it, and a really good friend of mine, uh, Jelani Turner-Williams, amazing writer, writes for OK Player. Of course, I got to plug the homie in. Uh, look, I, look, I love, I love Jelani. Like, like, Jelani is like one of those people that really is a student of music. She's not just a fan, she's a student, and she's just about the history. She's so dope. You know, she's about she's another person that's trying to preserve the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I noticed that... Uh, you know, she ain't responded to it. And I'm like, what? Come on now. What you mean? What y'all expect people just to sit there and like out themselves? But then, so this, I'm, I'm, a, different, I'm a different type of person. Um, because I'm aware of the intersection of 
people are expecting people to understand, but they don't have anyone around them to educate them. Mm-hmm. So it's also, you know, there's obviously as, you know, I, you know, you know, you know I'm about like six years into my transition, I've become more passable. And that's what they call it, passable. You start growing mustache and such, et cetera, et cetera. So from time to time, I still get misgendered. Yet, you know, if I take the time to correct everybody that misgenders me, A, I'm going to be upset. I'm never going to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and then sometimes it just requires a bit of education. It's also in how you handle that individual. Mm-hmm. Like I can say, hey, is he? I get it, but is he? You know, instead of shaming an individual. Because not every time is an individual trying to do something and they have a malicious intent behind it. Mm-hmm. So it's recognizing the intent. So that's why, you know, I said, hey, I, when I said what I said, I was like, maybe they're not doing that because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I can be kind of sarcastic. It's a tone of Virginia. It just happens. <laughs> um, but the fact that you were willing to go even further and you, I know that immediately when I said it, though, I was just like, damn, I need to think about it like that. Like, that's mm. that's why. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the origin. <laughs> Yeah, um, just for context for people who are listening. So I put out a tweet saying that we wanted to talk to someone from the trans community just about um, the Kendrick album um, because there were a lot, there was a lot of conversation about language mm. that was used, dead naming, and um, you know homophobic language that was used on the song Auntie's Diaries. And so I put a tweet out because um, I just really wanted to make sure that we were representing all voices when we had the conversation. Yeah, and. Um, when I put it out, I didn't think about kind of how that would be received. I didn't think about how or why we weren't getting responses because we put it out and loads of people retweeted it, but we weren't getting anyone. Well, we did get one person. I don't want to kind of completely erase that person other than Christopher. We got someone else who sent us an email, Mm. um, but they were just kind of giving their opinion on the Kendrick album. They didn't want to come on the show. Right, so here's the email we received when we put out a tweet asking for voices from the trans community to talk on Auntie Diaries. This email is from La Meravigilia, and they say, Hi, I'm La Meravigilia. I apologize if I'm saying that incorrectly, by the way. Um, from Twitter, non-binary trans feminine person here. While personally, I don't get too bothered by certain words, and in brackets they put, I guess I grew a thick skin, close bracket. And I also get when someone uses the bad guy narrative to talk about an issue, I still think it's not a good look. This is referring to Auntie's Diaries, by the way. To be honest, at first I had one of those what's the big deal reactions. He was trying to do something good and ultimately support us. Then I thought, what if a white person makes a song about how racism is bad and they once were racist, but now they are better. And to make the message stronger, they dropped the N-word 45 times. And yeah, that changed my mind on the whole thing. So, nice try, but do better next time. Cool. Thank you for your opinion. Thank you for sharing your voice. We really appreciate it. And yeah, back to the show. And Christopher, your explanation as to why that was happening, I think is really important. Um, And I kind of was hoping you would feel comfortable talking about why people didn't want, like why people wouldn't want to out themselves on Twitter in particular for a podcast. Um, Because I found what you said to be quite, you know, necessary. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. Oh, sorry. Go, Chris. Go, Chris. Are you sure? I don't want to erase. We may be some kin. We got the same last name. I don't know. (laughs) I know. It's the battle for the Scott. Um, But I just wanted to quickly jump in and ask because um, around that time when we did the call out and stuff, there was a conversation around Auntie's Diaries. And without restricting it to just Auntie's Diaries, I just think I saw a lot of. 
I saw a lot of the responses and a lot of the the kind of instant articles. Um, you know, you know Jelani, so you've probably seen so many of those. There's, there was one on OK Player as well, just from people from the trans community talking about why the song was problematic and there was loads of theses and stuff like that. And it just reminded me of what you just said about the job of the oppressed to explain to the oppressors. Um, mm. And I wanted to ask what your thoughts are around that and and maybe it is nuance maybe it's discernment but yeah what what are your kind of thoughts around that kind of specific topic it's so interesting you brought this up so i have another computer beside me and i have just about every article that has been written about this song from variety to vox to okay player because i wanted to take the time before i spoke on it i wanted to see a you know are they within the spectrum the lgbtqia plus are they black if you never grew up in a black church and you do not identify none of those letters, I really feel like you cannot speak on this topic. You know, I grew up mm. in a black church, Pentecostal holiness. I preached the gospel all over the United States. I play six different instruments. So I understand the spectrum in which you're saying when you're talking to the song. I've had family members reach out to me and say, I've listened to auntie's diaries and I've cried. Mm. So if you don't understand both of those perspectives, then that's, that's extremely important. So, I, so I, I've looked at it. You know, and then I've, I've heard what other people, you know, have said. Um, I think the world is missing grace. Okay. Um, like, for instance, my great-grandmother, I love her to pieces. She's 97 years old. <laughs> 97. That um, yes. All right. Yeah. It's, it, it is. You know, so I'm going to be around here for a long time if I take yes. care of myself. <laughs> the genes. Um, yeah, right? Um, but I know that we come from, you know, South Carolina, you know, through the way of the Gullah Gullah Geechee, and she ended up going to New York and was in Brooklyn and all these different things. Now, when I originally told her I was transitioning, she said, I already have a Christopher, I don't need another one. Now, I was fortunate enough the first, you know, six years of my life, I grew up around my grandparents and my great-grandparents. So this is mm. one of the, the, someone that raised me. Mm. You know, this is, the, this is like the, the, the maternal figure. So in her saying that, imagine, you know, what that experience is. Now, I had a friend that was trans, and he told me before I transitioned, he said, hey, you need to be okay with understanding that everybody's not going to understand. And that, so I have no problem saying on this podcast. Y'all, I've never spoken about this, so I'm, I'm letting y'all know. I've been waiting oh. for the right platform to be able to have this conversation. Thank you, um, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you absolutely. very much. Um, because I'm tired of so many different things. I'm tired of, like, people bashing, you know, Dave Chappelle. You know, I, I've been fortunate <laughs> to work with Dave, so I can say something about that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a couple of different things, but going back to the original story. Um, so, you know, she said, uh, so her saying, you know, she didn't, but the person said, you know, Christina has, is going to die and then there's going to be Christopher, you know? And then I also have to be understanding that, okay, the people that had a daughter, they're now going to have a son. Someone who had a niece is now going to have a nephew mm-hmm. because what I used to look like, regardless if I'm still that same soul, I don't look like the same person. And they're trying to figure out what that looks like. My father has never, you know, biologically had sons. Yeah, he mm. may have had nephews and all those other things, but he doesn't know what it's like to be a father of a son. Mm. Mm. And then even in me transitioning from a man, you know, from a female to a man, like it has caused my father to also deal with his childhood traumas and stuff that he had to deal with his father. Mm. And so it's like I, 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 I've come to a point, I can't, that's why I tell people, I can't you know, speak to Caitlyn Jenner's story and all these other things. And at times it frustrates me because you have these individuals that the media are clinging on to and using that as being everybody's lived experience and it's not. Mm-hmm. I didn't transition yeah. to be yeah. some type of ally. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to be comfortable in my own skin. 
going back to Kendrick Lamar's savior, going back to, again, why to me this album was so amazing. Like, I'm not here to be your savior. I understand you want this spokesperson, and we all have this saviorism that's deeded, deep, you know, rooted deep, you know, deeply, you know, European colonization through Christianity, you know, but we don't want to address that. Um, and so it's that saviorism, like, you know, and, and people get upset with me because I don't speak enough, especially during Pride Month. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm not like, you want me to be more proud about being trans and being black? Y'all have lost Joe's mind. And then going back to the thing, because, and this is where the problem is, and I'm going to touch on this Dave Chappelle thing and what he was trying to say, but his constituents yeah. that listen to him, they're majority white and they're not the right demographic. His audience that are majority listen to him are not as intelligent as he is. So they're not able to process things the same way. Um, so going back to what he was trying to say, what a lot of people don't know is that a majority of people that are over these nonprofit organizations that are for the LGBTQIA plus are cis white men. And there is a lot of oppression that exists still within the spectrum of LGBTQIA plus. Um, and so the idea you have these white cis men that may have been bullied or whatever the case may be, and they're trying to cling on to the LGBTQIA plus. I'm not saying they don't identify those things, but they're trying to make it seem like their struggle is the same as the black struggle, and they're not. Because we get oppressed even in the letters, <laughs> you know, within the, in the same community. Oh, we're well, not speaking about, about this. I had one particular organization, black nonprofit organization, um, LGBTQIA organization, got upset with me during the pandemic because they're like, well, you need to talk to your black brothers, brothers about trans women being murdered. I'm like, I'm supposed to be the authority and just speak? Just like you don't feel like it's proper for you to go into your corporate workplace and teach white people how to handle you as a black person. Why do you feel like it is my job to educate and inform on, on, on these topics the same? Going back to the end of, end of Auntie's Diaries when he's saying, okay, well, I can say, you know, the F word, you know, if white women would say, you know, the N word. But we don't, we don't want to have these, you know, open dialogues and conversations. So, you know, that's what, you know, the Chappelle thing, and everybody's like, what's your stance? That's what he was saying. He wasn't wrong. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. So, so go on, Chappelle. all that being said, and thank you for that, you know, wider context, especially with your familial history. That was really, um, really interesting to hear. So, I guess, so, what were your thoughts beyond the whole social media hysteria when you heard Auntie's Diaries? What were your thoughts and on what Kendrick was trying to do? Because I think that's important, what he was trying to do. The delivery and I guess the final product wasn't necessarily the best, but I guess there was an attempt at trying to be better and trying to be progressive. So when okay. you first heard the song. Well, first off, let's take away the fact that he's a rapper and putting him on a pedestal. He is an artist explaining or just, he just he's just giving a person his experience and his understanding and growth. Take mm -hmm. everything else away, the fact of being a song. So that was the first part that I listened to. Now, as someone who has had to hear other family members that have also had to be in the same shoes as him and to become a, an ally and to, and to make those changes, I'm understanding of that. And so he was saying, this is what I experienced and why it conditioned me this way. But through growth and healing, I understand why X, Y, and Z was not right. And now I've made the choice to go forward with this. I didn't feel that he was, um, what's the technical term too? Because I'm also still learning terms about a culture I wasn't expecting to be jolted into. <laughs> um, um, dead naming. Dead naming. Um, yeah. The misgendering thing. Uh, like, come on, somebody's been calling you uh, one particular thing for 30 years. You just expect them tomorrow to start there and do the opposite thing. 
and you have no grace with that, you're, you're expecting them to relearn something. I didn't think that was, I didn't think he did anything wrong. When he started to talk about uh, the fact that his cousin was more spiritual than those that were considered straight, but according to the preacher, he was not because of what he identified as. And that's very common, you know, within, you know, within a black church. Like people used to tell me all the time I was going to hell. Hmm. And I've preached so many times and you don't, I know the Bible back and forth, left and right. I've had people come to me, come to my house. I fed them food hmm. and they wanted to come to me and then they pulled out a Bible to tell me I'm going to hell. I was like, okay, so you're telling me I'm going to hell. So then how, what am I supposed to do now to not go to hell? If I've already transitioned, so tell me how to get right. No one can tell people how to get right, but they can tell people that you're stuck in the mud. I'm quote unquote seeing I'm in the mud. But do yeah. you really have a solution yourself? No, you don't. You think you're better than me because you're not doing X, Y, and Z, you know, quote unquote sins, et cetera, et cetera. But you lie. You're still the same. You're evil. You're bitter. Yeah. But then we don't, we, we're so concerned about the outward. And I feel like there's an issue when it comes to translation. We forget about the soul. We forget about the spirit. We forget about the intentions of an individual. So it's, it's going, it's, it's, it's going, it's going back to that. I hope I answered the question. No, I, to me, you did. I definitely yeah, got did. like, yeah, I definitely did. got a sense. And I think what is reigning true, I just want to um, kind of signify that kind of theme in what you've said in all of your answers so far is that we aren't a monolith. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. And I think there's the monolith of, you know, your reaction versus someone else within the community. There's, Kendrick's embodiment of what it means to learn and the journey he's on now but then there's you know a different rapper's perspective or a youth leader or a normal person on the street you know I think his learning and in how this the critique has been kind of packaged is he's a representation of all that look like him or kind of operate like him and I think what you've said or what, what some one of the themes correct me if I'm wrong that's coming through is like we aren't that the thoughts aren't monolithic just like you aren't expected to speak on specific issues during this month and you aren't expected to be the voice of you know trans women who are dying and and all of that over the pandemic I think there's that synergy I'm hearing a lot come through like the monolith and the fact that we are individuals and individual mistakes and experiences are going to be individual mistakes and experiences and mm -hmm. you know I think Kendrick's very much saying on this album I'm not the spokesperson for rap or the whole of rappers and stuff like that there may be conventions that certain communities do on large but I'm not the voice to necessarily fix that I'm just speaking on my individual journey but I really liked or appreciated that theme coming through a lot of your answers so far so yeah 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 definitely um the question I wanted to ask um, was pretty much about like if a family member you had, for example, made a song like Kendrick did, would you, how would you feel about that? Like, would you be supportive of that? Would you want them to make a song like that? How would you feel? So my brother uh, is an amazing rapper. Um, we've had to deal with life. Um, he's had to grow as an individual. And he called me crying. He said, I wish I wrote the song mm -hmm. because I've been able to watch what has happened and how we've grown and how we've changed in a perspective or just understanding what it means to be a true ally. Like even now, I've had to shift where, OK, now being passable as a man, now I have to be an ally for 
yes, all women, but I'm going to be an ally for black women first. But you, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's understanding what privilege, regardless of the privilege in which you're born in, um, you know, how can you use that to help others that are, you know, need the same access and deserve the same access as you? So I, I appreciated, um, I, I, I appreciated a lot and I would have never expected it from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, 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 that's what made it even bigger because it is more so, because another thing that he kept saying is just like, you know, at this point, I don't really care what y'all think about me. Like, you know, all the, I realize, you know, you know, if you want to go to, to the Bible, you know, there came a point in time when Solomon, uh, and he talks about that everything was vanity. Um, and it comes to the point where we realize all the things that we thought was so important really are not that important. Mm-hmm. Like a sense of community, knowing who you are, the people that you can go and call, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning. Those are the most important things. Um, so, you know, I, again, I hope I, I didn't ramble too much. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, I, I, appreci- I appreciate it. Uh, uh, my family appreciated it. Like um, my, my brother, which he wrote it. My sister said that that was, you know, her favorite song. It was like they were waiting for me. Matter of fact, people were just like, "Did you listen to Kendrick album yet?" I'm like, "Nah." Like, why y'all on Kendrick? Like, like <laughs> yeah. no, y'all yeah, listen to it. You know, I'm yeah. always listening to I it. I think that's beautiful. Though. Yeah, and I and I and I'm very fortunate. Um, I know that everyone does not have. You know that experience, and I, I, you know, my biggest thing was, you know, even me, I built. I've had, you know, I haven't been able to transition necessarily in the private, you know, space. You know, I had already started companies. I was trying to tell the stories of, you know, black media companies. I'm traveling all over the world. I did a YouTube series about me being doing my transition, going through a divorce with my ex-wife, like two dark. So I, all those things. But I knew that, all right, I know there's going to be somebody that needs to know my story. And it's not just somebody who's black and trans. Like, you're just black, period. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it just it doesn't matter because you need to see somebody like, no, like, I don't have a college degree. Look at what I'm able to do and what I'm able to build. You can still do these things. You can still. And I didn't have to compromise my values or who I am, mm-hmm. regardless of how corporations wanted to pimp me out for tokenism. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's, that, that's really important um, because that's one thing I really wanted to be conscious about in this episode. And I feel like it will help us really transition to the next part of the conversation. I, if I'm honest, I didn't want to just bring you on here for auntie's diaries. I don't think that's necessarily fair to your listener experience. Um, but at the same time, there was that feeling of responsibility to have someone who would actually either be affected or appreciate the song for what it is, because I don't know if it happens in the States as much, but what seems to happen in the UK is there's a topic or there's like a song or something happens and then a podcast will talk about it and usually what I see first is oh I wish you had like a someone from this community to speak about this or I wish you had like this source or this this something and um, I think it's important that we do bring people onto podcasts and have conversations about things but when you speak about tokenism I think that's really important as well because you're a human being at the end of the day and like you said, from what you spoke about before, you transitioned, but you, from what I'm understanding you're saying is you didn't want to automatically become like a, a you didn't want to rally automatically. You kind of wanted to be human and have your own experiences at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So I guess the next question for me is like, what did you think about the overall album as an American, like? Because that's another <laughs> that's another conversation. As a black American, what was your experience with the album? This album was uh, it was amazing. I believe 
if there was, and it's so timely. I mean, okay, yeah, he introduces things in May, but for it to be Mental Health Month, as someone that is at the intersection, like I'm between the older and the younger generation, like I'm in a smack dab. And then the more that I heal, I also see in how I handle, you know, others, it causes them to want to heal as well. You know, this is a black man putting out vulnerability and saying, hey, this is the things that I've struggled with. This is why I've struggled with them. You know, even for you to talk about, you know, you know, your mother being molested, that happens, unfortunately, more common, especially within the black community than it's something that we want to talk about. You know, my mother was molested, you know, and so those are things that, you know, you know, need to be discussed. And I, and I feel like for him to put this out here, more of us need to be able to be comfortable with talking about these subjects. Um, to be okay with normalizing, you know, therapy. You know, it's not just, oh, go pray and tarry. Um, or, oh, we just don't talk about that. No, by not talking about it, you're not causing healing to take place. You know, and I think oftentimes people don't want to talk about things that happen because there's shame that's attached to it. It's like, look, we need to discuss this because if we don't talk about it, then we're not going to be able to heal from it and we could potentially cause the same behavior. Thus, you know, the, the generational traumas that happen. He's discussing so many things and he understood the importance of why he needed to heal for his children. So he does not pass that on, you know, because he now understands that he has the knowledge, he has the access and he has the resources to be able to do so. Un unlike, you know, some of the past generations. And I wish that a lot of, you know, you know, people understood that, you know, we sometimes like we'll get mad at our great grandparents or grandparents or uncles and that's like, y'all don't understand. Like, how were they supposed to understand, you know, what they was dealing with? So instead of, you know, shunning them and, and, you know, trying to, you know, for lack of better phrase, you know, I don't know if Kelsey is shitting on them. Like, why don't you try to have that open conversation? Just talk about like, hey, you know, this is X, Y and Z because you end up giving them the tools to help them and make them feel like it's OK to talk about this. Like, I didn't know that, you know, my father dealt with the things that he dealt with growing up, you know, um, you know, and, and, you know, unfortunately, again, you know, like his, you know, you know, my grandparents, you know, was very, you know, physically abusive. My mother was physically, got physically abused by my grandmother, you know, so unfortunately my mother did those same cycles and stuff like that because she didn't know she needed to heal. My father, on the other hand, didn't talk about it, but not talking about it makes it even bad. But, you know, as men, we don't feel like we have a space to be able to have those conversations. His father was dealing with the same things and had a young family, had a family at a young age, you know, was trying to find ways to cope and deal with civil rights, had to go to Vietnam. Like, what else are you going to do? Drink and smoke? We don't think about why we were trying to cope with the things that we were trying to cope with even now. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, again, going back to that big word, like I, I can say, it's, it's, it's grace. Mm -hmm. There needs to yeah. be more grace. Yeah. I think generational trauma um, and what you just touched on just very quickly was definitely something that we didn't speak about in the beginning of this podcast. And um, it's just very important to the overall theme of the album. Um, the album just literally sits there and says, you know, people, we need to deal with the stuff that's going on with our community. So you really kind of encapsulated how important it is that Kendrick really brought that in this album. Um, and just to say, uh, Marquise Richards has joined the podcast. Welcome, Marquise, from the Rational Anger podcast. Um, and introducing you to Christopher Scott. Christopher Scott, this is Marquise. Um, so yeah, Marquise, just to catch you up, we're, we've spoken about Auntie's Diaries, we're talking about the Kendrick Lamar album, Mr. Moran, The Big Steppers, and just kind of getting like a general theme for how we all individually feel about it. Um, so Christopher has given his kind of um, breakdown of the album. Are you comfortable giving yours? Yeah, um, I, I personally, I love the album. It's you know, a space um, that I think we're seeing a lot of music start to go into. They're starting to ask this idea of like, what is 
what does humanity start to look like? What is restoration, redemption? What does it look like to be a public figure who makes mistakes now? It's they're all asking this question around like exploring humanity in a world of cancel culture and like what does it look like for me to have to grow from something? But what I really took from this album is the messiness behind growth. Like none of us none of us are perfect. None of us were born with the language. You talking about Kendrick Lamar from the hood, he's somebody who told a story that I was like, Oh, now I'm not from Compton, but growing up in the hood, there were certain things that I was just like He's an uncle that I've heard talk before. He's somebody in a barbershop that I've heard talk before. And they might not always have the best language, um, yet they're going through this process in a way that's not packaged up that wellness presents to us now. And I think that's super important to recognize. Of just like, as I went through this album, I don't think that Kendrick Lamar got everything right. I don't think he intended to get everything right because he's a flawed human being. So if I'll think about Kendrick as an entity, Throughout his all of his albums, he has been looking at how his upbringing has affected who he was, how he dealt with his internal battles, how he dealt with his external stuff, dealing with fame and all of this. So I think right now we're in a space where we're watching Kendrick Lamar process a lot of his stuff, specifically as uh, to me, Mr. Morale and Big Steppers is a product of the pandemic. You are sitting with yourself this whole time. I have to sit with my crap. I have to process who I am. I have to get to know who I am. And so as I'm going through it and I'm watching him talk about N95, like, oh, okay, you really talking about what does it mean to cover my face and cover what I'm actually trying to do if I take off this mask, right? Then we are getting in the first half of the album just like, who am I and the stuff that I had to deal with? Whereas the second half of the album, he's really talking about his relationship to other people. It's no longer talking about self. So now those are the, to me, Mr. Morale is Kendrick Lamar's internal battle that I really enjoyed of like the switch up of like a double album kind of situation. And he talks about the first half. Who am I? Am I going to get this thing right? Here are my personal thoughts that I might not have shared with the world just yet. Whereas the big steppers is now my relationship to other people. He talks about his infidelity. He talks about his relationship to his queer cousins and his auntie, right? He has to navigate all of these spaces of like, what have my internal thoughts? How has that potentially have harmed somebody? How has this may not have been the way to go about it? And how do I kind of reckon with that? And so I think for me, listening to this album, it's dope to see Kendrick be deeply, deeply personal. I think it's in that deep personal stuff, though. Those are conversations you have with intimate people. Those are not conversations you have for the public to know. If I was using slurs, I... When I say that on a project, I don't know. But being an educator and watching some of these kids even navigate what is the trans community to look like? What is uh, queer people? How do I navigate with these different groups of people? These kids don't have the language that we, me at 26, I have. And because I'm privileged to be in a position to have this language. Because the way I talk, my, if I look at my youngest siblings, they do not talk the same way. <laughs> we're, we're different in terms of language. Like, you can see I went to college because this is the way that I speak. Whereas my, my, my brothers, they don't talk like this. They talk like Kendrick, right? And so it's even just this idea of language who has access to the language that is politically correct, who doesn't have language that's politically correct. But when we're talking about your mental wellness journey, that stuff isn't pretty. That stuff isn't nice. It's not correct all the time. You have to have space to grow, but also understand how that space of growth can potentially harm people 
or you have have to acknowledge the harm that you have committed, which I think he does a lot of reflection in this entire album. So that's just my overall thoughts of the project. But um, I just want to jump in and ask a general question about, I think grace has been another theme that I'm hearing a lot from everyone. And considering where we started the podcast um, with Kendrick Lamar being the face of rap um, out of the big three, the face of like lyrical prayers, like flow, cinema, um, storytelling, cinematography, all of that. Um, do you feel like anyone else in this industry at this time would get the same grace in terms of allowance of what they were going through, the imperfections, the perfections, the kind of analysis that, that Kendrick Lamar has got over the last three weeks, I think it is, or month, let's say month, um, with this album and dissection. Because I feel like in a lot of the reviews and a lot of the conversations that I'm seeing and a lot of the stand-in really, like um, obviously the podcast don't let the stands have to talk about stands. Um, there has been a lot of, um, I feel like grace where I feel like other rappers may not have made necessarily got that if they conveyed this same body of work. So I just would be interested to kind of know if you guys feel like there's that affecting it as well and how is it's this, being received. Is this a question for everyone or is this- This is an open, this is an open topic because I feel like I'll, we've had the initial thoughts from everyone as well. Yeah. I was going to say, do you not think Jay-Z's 444 album kind of- It reminds me of response? that. It reminded me of that as well, actually. The, especially the relationship with his mother, obviously a hundred percent, but- um, and, and then also like the whole album was really like a, a really vast dissection of self mm. and manhood and all those things. And- I do think the difference is, I guess, Jay-Z is a lot older than Kendrick is. Mm. And, Kendrick, and also, Jay-Z wasn't at the prime of his career. No, 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 no. Obviously, he yeah. was very successful, yeah. of course. But, I mean, Kendrick is still kind of in his, quote-unquote, glory years. So, I think that is definitely another factor. But I do think that, I feel like a lot of people definitely were, like, very receptive to Jay-Z's imperfections and being very vocal about the fact that, you know, he's yeah. trash sometimes and that. <laughs> There's things he's had to learn about himself as a as a man, as a husband, as a father, and I think that's been that's that's interesting. But that being said, I don't know. Um, it would definitely be the case for a woman. Like, if let's say, I'm not, I don't really want to mention her, but if Nicki Minaj ever <laughs> bared her truth on an album, it definitely would not be received the same way. And um, J Cole. Um, so I've got a point on J. Cole that I want to bring up. Didn't he use well, that same word? Yeah, so that was the years point. Ago. That was the point I was going to bring. So I think it depends on how it's actually portrayed on the song because the way J. Cole did it on... Um, what song was it? Illuminati. Yeah, Illuminati. I can't lie, that was wild. <laughs> that was very wild. Like the way he used it to kind of um, almost dismiss how someone would feel when that word is used i feel like it can't the be F compared for those who haven't heard the song yeah i feel like it can't be compared to how jay-z spoke about his relationship with his mother for example and um the fact that he spoke about his mother um and her relationship and mm. everything that he kind of had to unlearn and understand about that relationship as well mm. but kendrick as an artist actually told a story and Marquise, you actually brought up a great point when we spoke about it and in Insta DMs about um, how a lot of the time when he kind of spoke about 
like using that word. Yeah, so I, I was going to, I like this question a lot. So I think the reason that Kendrick gets crazy is when you think about how hip hop runs traditionally, you're looking at the storytelling aspect of hip hop. You're looking at how hip hop is the gateway into black American culture or black culture in general. This is what it should be. It's the journalism, right? That's how it's always been depicted. Um, so with Kendrick, he's traditionally always been a storyteller and the way that he incorporated the word was in a past conversation. And so if we're looking at the tense that he is utilizing it, it's now thinking about is Ken Lee's question, is Kendrick still this person today? Or is he trying to express that he grew from utilizing this word? Because that's all he knew growing up because he's a product of the hood. If I'm thinking about the people I grew up with, I said, I know you're not supposed to be using this word, but did they have the language to know all the breadth of the LGBTQ plus community, right? We didn't have that knowledge to know what that looks like. So would Kendrick be telling an authentic story if he knew that this word, what this word, what the impact of this word meant in totality all the time? No, but I think he purposely did that because when you think about Mr. Morale, you're talking about, oh, your, your standards that you hold up in society, what is morally sound, what is not? Mm. Um, so in that, when I was talking to Ian, I was just like, we have to look at how this story is structured. We have to look at it in the greater context of what Kendrick is trying to prove here, it is done with intention. So the English teacher in me is just like, this full body of work, it is done with intention. So it's not meant to be a slur. It's meant to also be understood that this is in the context of his development as a human being. Whereas J. Cole just kind of threw it out there. Eminem just throws this word out there. There is no actual purpose. Mm. Uh I feel like with J. Cole, he kind of used it though. I'm looking at the lyrics and it's kind of like showing the irony and how homophobic people are. Like I know it, the Ke like Kendrick used a whole song and Jay-Z used a whole song as well. And I think there is grace there. And just to like put it out there, my opinion is that I feel like it did represent a point. And I feel like also that the, the trans community have the they lead the conversation in this, like in terms of if they are mad, if some of them are mad, they have the right to be mad because it's still an explicit word that is violent. It can lead to violence towards them and it has historically led to violence. But I'd say that in, they both use it for poetic artistic purposes. J. Cole's is a little shorter. It's within his- And more flippant. Yeah, it's more flippant and it's more quick and it's like succinct, but it is showing irony. They're both reflecting a canvas on towards society and maybe their former self in Kendrick's and Jay, Jay-Z's kind of case it is themselves more introspectively for Jay Cole it is to be interpreted because he didn't say I use that term but it's kind of like it's looking at the lyrics now it's kind of like just showing an ironic kind of reflection just to show how homophobic you are he uses it to then go that's how you guys think it's to show you're homophobic and I'm putting it in your face to show you the imperfections of yourself in that way and this is no by no means trying to excuse it i'm just pulling out the poetic devices and the, the artistic devices that they're all using it for and you know marquis um elaborated on why kendrick used it as well so. i was i was I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit of a devil's advocate with it i'm glad there's an english you know major because i'm not in no way shape or form there's three um, just to but, let you know oh even, even <laughs> yeah even, I mean, obviously <laughs> writers I mean, like, so all right, so let's let's uh, so let's 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 think about it for the idea of uh, effect, you know. And you're trying to get attention, you know, and not attention in a bad way. Like Dick Gregory's autobiography is called what? 
No, I didn't. It's it's Child. it's for this podcast. If we need to edit out, this fine. But it's us. It's called Nigger. That's the name uh, of Dick Dick Gregory's autobiography. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, if we're going to talk about in how he was represented, it, it was for shock effect. There it goes. Shock factor. Shock. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking for. Mm. So by him saying like, okay. I can say faggot if you would let a white woman say nigger. It was just as shocking the first line as the second line. Now, J. Cole, I can't really mm. give him the same Pulitzer Prize type, you know, award for the way in which he was trying to do it. Now, I, 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 I can critique music and lyrics. I will definitely do it. Because now you're talking about the act itself. Mm. Therein lies the problem and where the offense comes into play. Like, why are you talking about, because, you know, if we, we talk about it, like, why do you need to say if you like to get effed in the, so if we look at the lyrics, that part wasn't necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. and so that there's not, it's not the same, there's not the same level per se yep. when it comes to that. I would say that this was more so like a Dick Gregory type, because Kendrick kind of used the same way that um, Dick Gregory or either, um, even uh, Richard Pryor. Um, would try to bring things yeah. up for that factor. It's like understanding, and then even going back to you know Marquise's point, like you also have to understand your audience. And sometimes you have to, you're not dumbing down what you're saying. You are shaping what you need to say to your audience in the way that they're gonna understand you. Like, okay, you know, you younger cousins, cousins, you know, just like I, you know, I still got, you know, family members that's in the hood and stuff like that. I'm not gonna talk to them if I want them to understand something the same way, it's gonna go above their head. You know what I'm saying? So now equipping them with it, like, okay, this is why you cannot say this word, make it just as jarring as like saying, oh, would you let a white woman call you this? Mm-hmm. Then it makes you sit and sit back and think about it, like, man, now would I do that? And it's also and delivery. Also the so are you, preach, so are you preaching about it and acting like you're holding it the same or are you coming from a personal experience? When you start to preach about it, that's what gets people caught up in this today's age. Oh, you're going to act like you're going to teach me something when you're not of the community rather saying, Hey, this is what I did in this space. So I have, so anecdotal space versus someone who's trying to teach you a lesson. I think the lesson can be learned through the storytelling, but when you're trying to be explicit and fall flat on your irony, I think that might be the difference on how we may receive somebody. Cause I can receive a Saba project and say, here's what he's trying to get us to know from his storytelling, the way that Kendrick does. Uh, as opposed to somebody who might be a little bit preachy, say J. Cole around, what's the run it up, the ATM era, that era, where he got a little preachy. So I was like, people people receive it a little differently depending on how you address it. If I'm more honest and personal and have to talk about that versus trying to put on perform perfection or perform by know it all, I think that's where rappers today kind of get caught up if that helps add context. Mm-hmm. So are we saying even though and, it's for artistic purposes that word or expletives um can be used depending on how they're packaged? Is that the conclusion? And like the intent? Um well Because it I sounds say, like it. Ooh. Well I wanna say first Slippery of all, Christopher, slope. thank you. Thank you for saying everything you said. I completely agree with you. We can't it's not the same. Now uh you know Yes, there's obviously the idea that he shouldn't have necessarily used the word, but then even me, myself, I can't, like, when I think about the intention and I really think about the way the it came across, like, would it would it have come across the same way if he didn't say those words? Would it, would it have been lost? Would the, I guess, 
desired effect been achieved without it whereas with j cole no it's not the same it just was a bit there was an air of pompousness when j cole was saying it mm. when it was kind of like a with kendrick with the song there's kind of an air of um you know a sense of you know like clearly someone someone in transition someone learning thinking you, uh, more inwardly about the issue whereas j cole kind of just seemed a bit more like i'm just gonna say it because i can and we can tell you about it mm. you know what i mean yeah he but, said don't be so sensitive you know yeah like, yeah. And I understand the whole idea of, you know, more, this whole conversation about morality, but, like, there's still a way that it can be done. And I think Jacob thought he was doing having a gotcha moment, and mm-hmm. it failed. Whereas even with Auntie Diaries, yes, people are valid and are allowed to be offended by the use of the word, especially because it was used, like, 11 times. Mm-hmm. But my point is, I do agree that maybe the point that he was trying to make would not have been realised without it, even if it was at the expense of offending the trans community and the wider queer community at large. Yeah. But I'm going to stop rambling now. No, but what's, no, no, no. I really what's, appreciate that. Shope, what's your conclusion then on that? Like, just as a line, which, like, is it that two things can be true or is it that, like, which which side do you skew? Like, do you skew that it's fine to have been used because of the intent and the, the lack thereof of it would have not had the desired effect or is it, or is it just the fact that there's two truths just to kind of get your point of view? Oh, wow, look at putting me into a corner. <laughs> I... <sighs> it can be undecided. An opinion is undecided as well. You it's can. I'm, I'm going to say it's un- un- undecided. Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll say that. That's fine. Um, and Nick, I understand why you're asking the question because it's, it's a very hard conversation to navigate because we're in a place where we definitely want to evolve as people. And as a result of that, we have to bring you know, our skeletons out of the closet and be like, okay, this is who I was. This is who I want to be in future. Um, and I feel like that's what the song Auntie's Diaries was about. It was about unlearning, um, but also um, just being aware of the fact that what you once thought was innocent and playful was actually harming a particular group of people. And um, I feel like that conversation was really important. I'm conscious we've got literally like eight minutes left of you, Christopher. So I want to so ask... So let's do favourite song. <laughs> no, I want to ask... <laughs> I wanted to get something. I have to ask this question really quickly because this is part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation in this type of way where we've got different perspectives. So I retweeted something on the Dats account um, a while ago when the album first came out from someone who said, see, the issue is us as a community. When he when that person said us, they were referring to the LGBTQIA community. They said the issue is we're saying there's an issue with this word. And then heterosexual people are saying, you guys have got it wrong. This is what it's supposed to be. And for me, like, as a heterosexual man, I always try to um, figure out how to communicate in ways that are safe to other people. But when it comes to music and, you know, exploring what it means to be a black man, um, a, a heterosexual black man, and navigating ourselves as individuals, how what's the best way to have that conversation around you know artistically how we use words to describe who we once were or words that we once used do you understand what i mean no uh, i definitely understand what you mean um again it's going back to uh well it's twofold so going back to where I say it is not our duty or we don't feel like it's our duty or responsibility to educate white people on any and everything. Hey. So that's like, that's like the first thing. But most importantly is like, you got to find 
there's people that will genuinely want to talk talk to you. Because people, we all want, we're as humans, we all want a sense of community. Um, you know, having the, the questions, and I don't have all, the, I myself don't have all the words. I'm, I, and that's, this is another thing I, I really have to say. I don't care if I get stoned for it, you know, in the sense like, you know, all these terminologies, LWQIA+, and all this other stuff, it's just now coming up as far as certain wordings and verbiage, and it's constantly changing. And so for people to sit there and stone other people, and, I, and as someone that's within the community and around the community as being the T in the community, we still trying to figure this shit out too. So it, that needs to stop, you know? So there's no handbook to say, okay, this is what you need to say. And then I just learned very much so about intersex last year, you know? And then, you know, I, I, people are very passionate within the intersex community. And so I'm just like, look, like, I'm just confused as hell. I'm just a black man just trying to, you know, live my truth and just, you know, but have, you know, have peace and everything else here on this earth. That's all that's all that I got for you. You know, so I, I think like, you know, the best places like community centers that are involved, you know, within the community are just like find friends, you know, or mm. there's more people than, you know, like talk to them. Just have those conversations like, hey, mm. let me talk to you about X, Y and Z. And I that and, and, I, and it's twofold. And again, I'm going back to grace. Because I've seen people that are genuinely want to ask questions because mm -hmm. they want to know better and they don't have anybody else to ask. And they're scared to ask, but they want to do better. You mm -hmm. know, I've had friends like, I've had friends just like, hey, like, um, I, like for instance, I had a friend just like, hey, you know, if ever, you know what I'm saying, you need me to escort you, go to the bathroom, I got you. You know what I'm saying? Say less. And then in my head, I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm -hmm. But he did so much in that moment just to, I just thinking like making sure like, okay, I'm safe. I can't go to the women's restroom, obviously. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then even me going to the men's restroom, imagine what that experience is like. Mm -hmm. But just, you know, just doing little things, being in there. I had a friend tell me just like, hey, do I do enough, you know, you know, as your friend, you know, and just like being in that space? And I'm like, yeah, you treat me like I'm a human being. Mm -hmm. Like you make sure I'm safe. Like why would you, why would you stop making sure somebody is safe cared for, protected, because their gender changes or they have a certain preference in something. Why, why would that be that way? Or why do we feel like we're just so confused and we just don't understand? Like we got friends that are vegan and like, veg we, veg we've, we've known about vegetarian for a while, but now vegan is like the whole thing. Then they got pescatarian, again, but again, as we Child. grow and elevate and evolve as a culture, these terminologies and we're finding new ways to describe these things and to talk about it. So there has to be a, there has to be an open conversation available. So there has to be vulnerability and an open space to both those that want to know more and those that want people to understand and know more. So yeah. I, I really, it's, 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 it's difficult. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, cause sometimes I'm like, why don't y'all be more nice? They, they trying to be an ally and y'all be sitting there shitting on them. They can't be an ally if you're doing that. Like how, how are we going to progress as a culture and as a people? Mm, appreciate that. Appreciate the fact you've got to jump off Christopher, but we really appreciate Thank the you. conversation. Um, check out Atelier 44 if you can we'll put it in the description below as well um, but yeah thank you very much Christopher um, really appreciate it and yeah if you can just send over everything we'll get it sorted but thank you for your time likewise thank appreciate y'all take care cool yeah. so if you guys are free what we'll do is we'll quickly talk about our favourite tracks from the album um, including Marquise and um yeah we'll end it there we'll talk about our favorite tracks and yeah just go from there so guys individually kendrick lamar's album mr morale and big steppers what are your favorite tracks we'll start with shoppe <laughs> so shoppe do you want to go ahead 
Why are you saying it like that? Because you wanted to talk about it whilst we were talking about it before. So do you want to go no, first? No, I just wanted to make sure that obviously we have, you know, we're on a deadline. So like, Shop A, go. Go. <laughs> just go. No, it's because fine. Nick has already said his. Yeah. I was speaking. So feel free. Okay. So I'm not going to give like an essay on each one. But as because like I said, I'm still digesting and um, really immersing myself. But I'll say um, N95. Uh, Worldwide Steppers, uh, Father Time, Purple Hearts. Oh, Purple Hearts. Interesting. I love that song. Mm. Um, Saviour. And you know what? I, I do... Artie Diaries has been on repeat in spite of everything we've said. Like, as a song, mm. I think it's... Like, you know, the production and everything and the way it's um, delivered and everything. I think it's a great song. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those I'll choose... Are, those are, I'll, I'll keep it a three. Uh, Die Hard. Cool. I just I like when Kendrick gets on those kind of groups. I know y'all not the biggest fans of Blaster. Understand him. However, I like a good groove. I like when Kendrick gets in this fun bag. Um, but I'd be really on the train. I'd be like, I hope I'm not like that. That John's fire. <laughs> um, so yeah. So Die Hard. Father Time hit me in the gut about ten times in a row. Um, but I think it's just such an important <laughs> conversation to see that idea of generational trauma. And like the lack of like guidance and emotional exploration is super important. I know that one is hitting hard for a couple of people. I got to have that conversation mm-hmm. with my students around like their own emotional development and like what stunted them in that. So I think that was just a beautiful, beautiful conversation to be had. And I know a lot of black men are looking at this song in general to like unpack a few things. So I love the impact that that song is having and that I'll say my immediate community in Philly, which is super dope. Um, to see if people wanted to like, delve into that. And, you know, when Kendrick be talking his stuff, count me out. Like, count me out is really, it really be on it. When I'm like, I'm about to get in my bag, I'm about to do some good stuff, I put that song right on because I'm just like, that's where I need to be at mentally. So, yep. yeah, those are the three right mm-hmm. now for me. But Purple Hearts is like creeping up slowly but surely. Okay, cool. I'm not going to be as kind, so I'm not going to go three. I'm going to tell you every track that I enjoyed in this album, because like I said in the beginning of our recording, this is my favorite Kendrick album so far for different reasons. Um, So I love N95. I love Die Hard, but that's me as a Bajan, just excited at the fact that Amanda Reefer is finally getting some recognition after Cover Drive and, you know, watching people. Great, but okay. Anyways. Um, so after watching loads of reaction channels and um, seeing loads of people come across Amanda Reefer, they're like, who is this woman? Where has she come from? I'm just excited to see where she goes in her career. Um, she's also, you know, going to be my wife someday. I just want to throw that out there. Um, next is Father Time. Um, next is Rich Spirit. I love Savior. Savior's the song that I definitely play the most out of all of them. And it's really interesting because I was, I'm subscribed to a, podcast slash show called the Mallory Bros um on YouTube and they downloaded the very first um Kendrick well the very first version that came out on Apple Music first and in the lyrics on screen for Savior there's actually a bar where the LeBron bar is that says Ye taught you how to yell but he's not your savior and I just found it really interesting that at the last minute that part seemed to have been removed from the song because I feel like that would have been really impactful to have like Kanye mentioned on the song 
Um, LeBron felt a bit random to me, if I'm being honest. But if if Ye was on there, I feel like it would have been very impactful. Um, <clears throat> so listening to all these songs individually, like Auntie's Diaries is definitely a good song. And I love the way that it's it's kind of therapeutic. It sounds like the way that Kendrick would talk to a therapist, for example, instead of like the um, get em type of flow that he has on most of his songs. Um, other than that, every other song I kind of need to be in a mood to listen to. I need to be in the right space to listen to, for example, Mother I'm I Sober or um, Mr. Morale. Like those are very heavy songs. Auntie's Diaries is Auntie Diaries as well is like a song that I need to be in a space with. Um, but individually, I just think these songs are incredible. And I kind of wanted to know if you guys wanted to talk about the production overall and just musically um, how you felt about the album. Like, because it's very different to what Kendrick has released before in the past. Like, what did you think of the production? I saw Mustard was on there. Um, you've also got um, DJ Dahi and various other producers as well. What did you think of the overall production of the album? Um, well, I kind of um, referenced a bit. I spoke a bit about that at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But um, I love how I love also don't love how... I guess, like I said, I use the word erratic. It's kind of all over the place. But I guess when I think about it as an, as individual songs, I really, really love the production of Worldwide Steppers. And I have to shout out Soundwave, who's done loads of work with Kendrick in the past. But the production of Worldwide Steppers is just phenomenal. I just, it's like very, like, I don't know, even, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it, but it just like, it's kind of gives me, like I said, it gives me Jesus. It kind of gives mm. me that, like, new wave electronic kind of like i just yeah i just don't know like very industrial experimental like kind of reminds me of like denzel curry too i don't know that song and i think that was it initially i was like the production of the song is just really really hitting for me but then i also love i just love how anthemic purple hearts feels like it just really like slaps you in the chest that production and just i really feel like everyone did their thing on that and once again, that was Soundwave. Then I also kind of love like the free jazz poetry-esque theatricalness of We Cried Together. Like I know that that's not really a song per se, but I love the background music of that. Um, and then yeah, I love Auntie Diaries. I've said it again, like it's really, a, it's a soulful song. It's, a, it's quite um, a soulful song, quite an intimate song production-wise. And then yeah, um, I love Father Time. Um, and then N95 is just a great, you know, that can slap in the club. How, you know, give me, a, um, give me enough um, alcohol. I'll do my thing to that song. N95. That'll do. And yeah, I think so. Okay. Shout out to Boy Monado. Actually, yeah, I can, uh, I, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, I, see it. I, I, don't see, I don't see why not. So, yeah, no, but I just think that I, like I said, I'm still, as Nick said, with, um, like these thoughts are imperfect. They're still in transition. So, but yeah, and, and I, I think as individual songs, there are certain highlights and high points, but then there are others which I'm a bit like. So for, for instance, I'm not particularly a fan of the second half. I think part, the first half is stronger than the second half. I kind of feel like it kind of loses a bit of a luster in the second half, aside from Saviour, Auntie Diaries, and unfortunately Silent Hill. I do like that song in, in spite of the feature. Um, so yeah, that is my rambled thoughts it, on the. Production. Is Silent Hill uh the one that goes um pushing these off me like uh that one? The production That's always comes last for me. I'm, I'm still being like I'm listening to what he has to say before okay. the production. <laughs> However, Marquis, what about you? Yeah, I'm much more of a lyrics kind of person album. than production. However, N95 off rip. I said nah, this is fire because this will go hard in the club. Oh, okay. But I. Shaw Pace took my answer specifically with We Cry Together. I love when they do, 
like stuff in the background like that, more of the jazz mm-hmm. that's kind of feel you can build on top of it. I think there's such a freedom in that. So for me, those are the only two that really immediately go out for me. But again, Die Hard, I'm just like, there's a groove to it that reminded me of Jamie Foxx's Digital Digital Girls, um, which I was just like, oh, there's just like a, there's like a certain base to it right away where I'm just like, I've heard this before. I'm not sure where, but it reminds me of Jamie Foxx's Digital Girl. So Interesting those comparison. are the immediate things that I'm starting to see. Hmm. Okay. And Nick? Um. So basically, I was just looking through some of the production um on the track listing because i think there are multiple points where kendrick sounds like kanye west um sonically and i think that that number one comes from the song that shoppe mentioned um but at number two it also comes from the second half of the album where mr morale which is produced by pharrell i think it's one of his only productions and that explains exactly why because pharrell obviously has worked with kanye multiple times over the years and has amalgamated kind of a sonic style or eras with him as well so it just um and interestingly marquise mentioned um a song that boy wonder had produced as well which is very drake um so n95 in terms of like boy wonder works with drake all the time and i feel like while this project is kendrick's most chaotic project in terms of just how it's um how things are presented and the way in which they're presented in the production styles i do think there are many moments which take and i said this earlier from his damn era in that commerciality kind of bag where he like there's maybe not a explicit intention but there is kind of um lessons taken from damn damn being for me one of the most commercially kind of um palatable projects that he's ever released um and the most potential to kind of be played in the club next to kind of good kid mad city and some of those singles as well but um i think yeah the um kanye influence on mr morale comes from his yeezus era in particular um and his early work with travis scott as well i think there's that kind of um shop i pointed out really really kind of poignantly about a different song but um industrial and i enjoyed those moments just to see kendrick on different palettes as well i think it's great to see when an artist kind of delves into themselves um but i think sonically yeah i think he's definitely overall tried to exude chaos and like how that sounds and just close kind of like productions that will suit his kind of most chaotic thoughts and kind of the n95s kind of um presentation of lyricism but then also kind of the um the internal and um kind of uh ruminating kind of voice and how that would sound like as well kind of there it's very cinematic and this is why i say he should go into theater um in the future because i think he's able to really hone in on something that rihanna can do in terms of conveying emotion with sounds and being that real kind of executive producer in the room with all these producers and helping to find what that sound looks like and how to convey emotions and lyricism with palettes that kind of fit that that kind of organized chaos um, as this project was as well. Loved The Alchemist with We Cry Together, had to shout that out. The Alchemist um, is just iconic in whatever he does, in, in whatever's done in rap. And I think it's, yeah, it's just great to see kind of, um, our big voices work with the alchemist and i think 
yeah it's just it's just great to see old school meets new school man and i think um the alchemist has done incredible work over the years with freddie and all of that it's just great to see him on kendrick um on this project oh you saw me lean for it you saw me in his career so yeah that's my thoughts (laughs) um yeah no i love what nick was actually talking about because like i feel like artists have really been a lot more intentional with like the soundscape and like how it creates like that visual component as well for people because i know like um solange was really big on that for when i get home and uh tyler was really big on that with igor and so as he was like going through it he was like i want you to also focus on how production takes you through a range of emotions as well and how intentional that is which i love that kendrick has been doing so the theatrical part absolutely because i'm just like that's a you're creating an orchestra you're orchestrating exactly how people can go through you know when you hear it like you know something's coming and so i love like that nick even brought like how does the production take you to a space it's like an audiovisual diary that you kind of go through is what i was also mm-hmm. gathering yeah. from this project as an entirety a hundred percent he's great yeah. like yeah i i completely agree with that and i think i heard so many different sides to kendrick on this project i think that's something which you will his legacy will kind of leave to the masses that he can create not just kind of storytelling thematical projects but he can create a real kind of sonic cinematic experience and how it sounds as well and takes you through the journey there was definitely most deaf on this album for me sonically there was big pun there was um kanye west as we just mentioned there was snoop influences obviously compton la all of that there was there was just so many different sides to it sonically i think that is my favorite part of the project ultimately i think the lyricism and themes are great and kendrick's always going to give you that and the introspection is something to kind of be desired but i think sonically and how he can he married those lyrics up is something that is going to be a strong takeaway from me from this project as well and the and both sides of it as well and how even how the singers are used to kind of help weave the story across um and that's what that's something that i really appreciated with Sampha, as i said earlier and um and uh, taylor page even though she's not a singer but like taylor page um and amanda reefer really enough as well i think she really kind of um helps ground the song with her Mm -hmm. vocals too so yeah i think it's it's just a great sonic project um yeah. yeah Yeah, yeah, and I think we'll make this the last point. Um, and by the way, I love the production on the album for different reasons. Um, you've all kind of said pretty much what I wanted to say in terms of the way it was used to shape um, the the overall sound, but basically how um, there were sections of it that kind of excited you. Like, for example, when Marquis spoke about the little um, piano that you got at the beginning of um, United in Grief or like in different songs that they kind of got you ready for what Kendrick was about to say. I thought that was really clever. Um, And I liked how it's just very different to anything that I've heard from Kendrick before. It took me a while to actually kind of um, like realize what I was listening to. It took me a while to like really figure out how to categorize what I was listening to as well. And also just generally with most artists, you can kind of guess what they're going to deliver. Like with Drake, for example, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get 40 producing a lot of the songs. You're going to get a lot of crooner songs, unless it's that kind of drill album that he released, Dark Lanes something. I can't remember what it's called. But generally, we know what we're getting from Drake. 
J. Cole switches it up every so often, but he does have like very similar preachy type of songs. Beats are usually similar because he produces a lot of his stuff himself. But with Kendrick, I had no idea what to expect from this album whatsoever. Um, but Nick touched on something very quickly, and I want it to be the last point of this conversation just because I'm aware of time. Um, so Nick spoke of legacy and Kendrick Lamar, <clears throat> you know, there are loads of conversations about Kendrick Lamar as an artist. This might mm. be his last album, like in general, we don't know what's going to happen next. He might go into the arts. He might go somewhere completely different. So guys, it's time to ask the question. That? Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> best rapper of all time. What are we huh? saying? What? What are we saying? <laughs> so, um... What are we saying? I think that's the, I think that's the unfair I think that's the unfair question to ask right now. Why is <laughs> it an unfair question? Because I think we haven't had enough time to sit with this project and the wider discography to be honest with you. I think I honestly think it's a it's a question that needs much more examination than the questions presented on Twitter in short bite-sized things and I think even me I'm going back through big puns discography right now I'm going back mm. through you know I need to I, again we all like to act like we're experts and we're not like I need to Ooh. go back in time to these different eras as well and re-listen to some of those biggest rappers as well because from that documentary I watched last year on FX I will continue to preach about it it's about hip-hop it's a five-parter um, and it's just great but I think something about that taught me about we have to live with bodies of works and the way they were you were able to live with a project 20 years ago even fucking out 20 years ago it's the beginning of this millennium mm -hmm. you know is completely different to the 80s and completely different to now kendrick will definitely sit in the top lyricist and kind of artist in his genre can i say he's the best without really have examined examined some of the past work that i want to go to can't answer that question for you now um but yeah, he's definitely one of the, he's one of the best in his category right now. And of this generation, I think, did Control show us anything? Yeah. It definitely showed us that he's, he is the front runner of, of his generation. But rap as a whole, I'm going to have to come back to you on that one. Okay, how long, I have to ask this, like. He said, what Kendrick, I thought he was talking about Kendrick as a whole, not just like, his project. Because I'm not It's been three weeks. It's been three weeks with this <laughs> album. And no, to no, be no, honest. No, listen, hear, hear what I'm saying, hear what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm not even saying. No, I know, yeah, I, I know, am. I know. I am talking yeah. about Kendrick as a whole. It's a whole. So, <laughs> as a whole. So, but like, I'm not even saying that Kendrick is the best artist of all, best rapper of all time. Yeah. I literally want to have the conversation because I've seen it prop up yeah. in some of these reaction channels. I spoke about the Mallory brothers, for example. <laughs> yeah. And one of them was like, who is your guy that you're bringing to the table right now against <laughs> this level of discography? And mm. I kind of, I'm intrigued to see what you guys are thinking in terms of Kendrick Lamar overall, because... You know, he's released five projects now. Arguably, you know, some people don't think that Section 80 was his first album. Some people think that Good, Ca Good Kid Mad City was the first one because it was the one under a major label. Like, I, I do think it's like that at that point when we start having that conversation. Yeah, he's definitely like, one of the best. He's definitely one of the best. But I also think we need to see how his discography lives through, like, generate. I think it's quick to say this album will sit and people are saying it's classic and all of this. No, it's been three weeks. We need to kind of <laughs> really see how Every it stacks up. It's been three weeks. <laughs> it's damn even a classic. We need to really evaluate that. Like, it's really, like, come on now. Like, it's literally, he's a great artist. He's got 
the flow, the storytelling, all of that. But honestly, as I said before, lyrically, this is not his best album. Lyrically, it's not. To me, it's not. Like, it's really... Some, if you go back and read the lyrics and really study the art of lyricism in rap it's not it's just not one of his best albums lyrically and i'm sorry that's something i wrote in my review people can pitchfork me at the stake for that one but like literally it's not and he said he was away for five years he said he got writer's block that has that it shows very loud and clearly it shows that is the that is one of the weak points of the project for me the lyricism I'm sorry, like in terms of the, the rap, storytelling wise, no, but in terms of the lyrical kind of technicalities, yes. So right, I'm going to go to Chope first, then Marquise afterwards. So Chope, you agree with that statement about the lyricism on the album? Yeah, um, um, I definitely will say that I was not as wild, wild by his wordplay as I had been on other albums. And even today, actually, when I was listening to the album again, I actually stopped after part one to play um, Duckworth. From Dam, which mm. I think I've said to, to, to you both individually and Marquise at some point too that Duckworth is one of my favourite songs he's ever done. I love Duckworth. Aside from being just a great song, it's just like this man is just rapping his ass off <laughs> for four minutes. <laughs> just rapping his ass mm. off. But even, and even like, and I actually was thinking about this because people kind of give Dam like some heat. And I'm like, I think that is it. I think Dam was a good album, in my opinion. Some people don't really like the album because it was too commercial, too pop, but. I feel like that's I feel like that's some of his best rapping. Like when I think about Feel, Duckworth, Fear, um, there's some there are some super highlights that I mm. think of him. When I think of Kendrick as the artist, but also the rapper, mm. I'm like, damn has some great examples of that. Mm-hmm. Then of course Section A, and of course Pimp Butterfly and um Gucci Mad City. But um so yeah, no, I will say that I was not as well. There were some lyrics and there were some moments where I was be like, mm, okay, but <laughs> all right. But then I, I'm like, but maybe it was artistic effect. Maybe that was done on purpose. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in this. Yeah, maybe though. it was, but you don't know. But him saying he, was, he had a writer's block, I'm like, well, yeah, it shows. And he yeah. said it on a song, didn't he? Was it N95 yeah. or something? Like, he definitely said yeah. that he had the five years writer's block. And, you know, like, as Shopee said, damn... And, you know, to Pimp a Butterfly. No, actually, more um, Good Kid, Mad City. How he was flowing when he was in his rapper's bag, like, really, really just giving it to you. It, he killed it. Like, he kills it on mm. those projects. And, like, he makes you feel those things. On this album, N95 is one of the strongest examples of that. And it isn't that strong. Like, in terms of rap, rap ability, it, it isn't. Like, I'm sorry oh, to tell you. I, I went back to look at the lyrics as well. See, I'm not yeah. mad at the simplicity of lyricism. Yeah, it's not just because they can't lend itself to the project as a whole. So that's what I was thinking about overall. When I think about Kendrick, like I don't think he's necessarily an artist. When I think about his style, I always say like he is somebody you have to go back and do homework for because, like, damn, I had to go back again and be like, oh, hold on, he's talking about this, which leads to this, which goes to this, and then it forced you to go listen to the album backwards. Mm. And there's just some things that he did in there storytelling wise that were actually really dope it's not my favorite personal personal favorite kendrick album that's to put a butterfly for me because i like what he does overall and yeah see i we talked about that before but (laughs) but yeah so i think with this project i think the simplicity actually helps more people come to the understanding of what he's trying to say (laughs) so sometimes when i think about kendrick he's not an artist to me this album was steeped in realism more than any of his other projects. And I mean realism in the sense of it was very much so thinking to self, let me just put this plainly. I don't need to use all this extra clever language and stuff, which I still appreciate about Kendrick, which is why I think I also appreciated 
it here when it was just like, oh, you just chatting with us now. <laughs> Instead of like, um, what is it? Yeah. Like that, he, that's still like a deity that he's talking about. If you really get into it, and I'm just like, oh, that's Yahweh. You got to get into more of that. Like there are some things that were forced you to go back and listen again. Uh, whereas this one, I don't know if I had to dig too deep, but my emotional connection to this project mm-hmm. and maybe it's just a space of where I'm at due to the pandemic yeah. and just where society's at now. It actually allowed me to respond to that. So if I think about Kendrick overall and where he spaces in my world of rap, he's definitely in my top. I think he's one of our most consistent rappers and a and as an artist, visually, performance wise, and what he's doing with his storytelling, he's at the he's one of them at the top of the game. Like I kind of fully appreciate him. Um, and if we're talking about our generation specifically, I'm like I don't know if I can give anybody the best all the time when Black Thought exists right there. He's one of my favorites personally. So I'm just like, ah! Um, yeah. So those are my thoughts about where he lives in this rap world. Mm. <laughs> I hear you. Mm. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Mm. And I agree with regards to the lyricism point that you made. Um, so I didn't feel like this album necessarily needed him to be super lyrical um because i feel like the message was more so to do with the theme than it was to do with um his ability as a rapper it felt more like an autobiography than it did um an album that was supposed to um like wow you with the lyrics for example i feel like the focus was slightly different to what he's previously released um, and if I think about how dense some of the kind of conversations were and the topics that he brought up as well, I actually think it lends more to his pen that some of the things that he said were in a simplistic way. Um, and that might just be me excusing the fact that Kendrick, um, you know, may not have come as hard as he previously did on Pimp a Butterfly, for example, or Damn or Good Kid Mad City um, when it comes to the lyrical pen that we know he has. But I'm thinking in terms of what he actually wanted to do with this album and who he wanted to communicate to, I think it is quite important that he communicated in a way that everyone understands. And I think we spoke about that earlier when Christopher was on and he was talking about, um, you know, how we get things across to people and how we communicate, like what we actually want to say. And um, I just think that that was part of the reason why the lyrics weren't as in-depth as we wanted them to be. I would say we haven't really had a Kendrick album where the choruses, for me, have felt as um, important as the actual lyrical content. Like, I've definitely heard Kendrick play a lot more with melodies. I heard him play a lot more with features. And um, the the chorus was a lot longer in songs, like the song with Blast and Amanda Reefer, for example, um, and the song with Summer Walker, for example, as well. So I feel like in terms of commerciality, like I understand why it might not have been the most lyrical album. I don't think I would have wanted it to be more lyrical either. I feel like the way it is right now allows me to say to someone who might like maybe want to listen to a song about how maybe a black um, a, a black heterosexual man engages with like conversation around transgenderism, I can say, okay, listen to Auntie's Diaries. And this is an example of, you know, Kendrick's lived experience as a man from Compton, um, from the hood. And it's a very simplistic explanation of, you know, this is my experience with my aunt and um, my cousin and all of my family members. Um, sorry, uncle, not aunt. Um, and I feel like that's just very important to 
um, the overall story, the simplicity adds to the art, in my opinion. But I understand where you guys are coming from um, with expectation, but also um, what we know Kendrick can do as an artist as well. So, yeah, those are my thoughts about the lyricism overall. Um, were there any other thoughts people wanted to bring up? Because I'm conscious of time. I'm conscious yeah. of how long we wanted this episode to be and everything. But was there anything anyone wanted to bring up before we end the episode? No. No? No. Cool. So that was a very quick run through of Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. We don't usually do long reviews for albums. It would have been in a listens conversation, for example. But this was Kendrick's album after five years. He's one of our greats in my opinion that's my opinion and um you know we just wanted to have an opportunity to sit away from like general conversation and have our own opinions just come to the forefront when we recorded um so yeah i just want to say thank you to marquise from the rational anger podcast for coming on today talking about um you know his experience listening to the album as a black american and um nick and shoppe thank you for coming on as always you know (laughs) talking about the album And Christopher, if you're listening to this episode, thank you very much for coming on the podcast for today, talking about your truth and being very vulnerable with your experiences as well. Um, We're aware of how hard that can be, especially in the age of the internet where so many people have different opinions. Um, If there are any like thoughts or feelings that came up as a result of this episode, we will put some resources in the comments, um, just trying to figure out how best we can help. guide you to the right sources as we're not experts in conversations about the you know transgender community or any of the themes that we touched on which is why we invited christopher on um but i just want to say i'm proud of this episode and i'm proud of the fact that we really went for having the conversation around you know auntie's diaries and um the controversy surrounding some of the lyrics from that um i will say that I was advised against speaking again, like speaking on that topic, you know, because there's this whole thing about, you know, when people start talking about transgenderism or transphobia, it can be a bit hard to have that conversation. I think it's important that we try. And I may have got some things wrong in this episode and there may have been some opportunities for us to maybe learn about things and speak about something a bit more. Just want to highlight we're aware that Christopher doesn't represent all of the opinions of the transgender community. Um, although we do make sure we do hold his opinion as valid and high Um, and if there is anyone out there that's listened to this podcast and maybe has a different opinion or they want to say something slightly different you can send us a voice note um, send us an email at d-a-t-s-p-o-d we would love to hear from you and yeah so we're going to end it there sorry just before you end i just want to say that being advised against it like and because of the topic of it being hard conversations I think it's all of our responsibility to have those hard conversations like Mm -hmm. I agree how do you grow how do you learn how do you get rid of generational trauma and all the other stuff that we are trying to navigate through without having the conversations I don't know I think everyone just has a responsibility in my opinion to kind of do that work when they can but anyway I think it's more to do with the anxiety of getting it wrong oh your anxiety of getting it wrong uh i wouldn't say mine specifically but just generally there's this fear of you know because even christopher spoke on the fact that people are learning how to use you know um the right um how to use the right terminology thank you for that terminology and figure out how to actually have the conversation in the first place and also just when you're communicating things that are outside of your own experience Mm. there is an opportunity where you you might say things ignorantly and that might be interpreted as malice. 
And yeah, there, yeah. And with that comes that fear of, you know, I don't want to be cancelled. I don't want to, you know, say this thing that might affect people in this type of way. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, this person believes this or this person says that. Um, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. It's just like, yeah. I think... That, yeah I, I get it I just think obviously doing the work is important as well like in mm-hmm. overcoming that obviously anxiety is something most of us suffer from on this podcast mm-hmm. so like I completely agree with that being a factor but I think even if you can't have the conversation like if you have access to in things like the internet and stuff like that there's things you can do as well like to mm-hmm. help bridge that gap I guess as well and obviously I'm not trying to be like really like oh like staunchly on one side i'm just saying that i think trying is trying and failing is better than not trying at all that's the essence Agreed. of what i'm saying 100%. yeah that's 100%. and without being too harsh or anything but yeah no no 100 percent. i agree like it's much better that we actually just went for it and we'll see the response once the episode is out and everything of course but yeah we're going to end it there thank you guys for listening we'll catch you when we next record which will be our last episode for the season And yeah, we'll leave it there. Thank you for listening to Don't Let The Stands. Please rate and review the podcast on all music, on all podcast platforms, sorry. Um, And follow us on social media at DATSPOD. Thank you again to Marquise, Christopher, and we'll leave it there. Peace.